0: I'm going to ask if you have your Bibles, you would take them and turn to Acts chapter 2. I'm going to be reading verses 4 through 14. And this is the third week that we've been on this series of being led by the Spirit. What does it mean to be led by the Spirit? And today our our title is His Transforming Partnership. We talked about the partnership of the Holy Spirit last week. And and today I'm beginning a message that I know I'm not going to be able to finish today, so we'll probably finish it next week in this series. But uh, His Transforming Partnership... And the Scripture declares in Acts chapter 2, verses 4 through 14, All of them were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? How, then, is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism... Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, What does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, They have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd, Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you and listen carefully carefully to what I have to say. Father, as we enter into your word today, we recognize that there is a nourishment that you give to us as we break the bread of life. Lord, it's it's one thing for us to be in the house of the Lord. It's another thing for us to partake of the banquet of your word. And I pray today that you would distribute it to each of us, just what we need to be nourished and to grow in you and so that we can continue on this journey of following Christ and bringing pleasure to you. So, Lord, we ask these things today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. There was a famous... British preacher by the name of G Campbell Morgan and he was writing about these accusations that were leveled at the spirit-filled disciples on Pentecost. The accusations of many in the crowd was that they were drunk. And Morgan writes carefully, I want you to watch what Peter and his answers were to those accusations because he said, these are not drunk as you suppose. In other words, there was something happening spiritually that those that did not know Jesus didn't have a category to put it in, and so they said, the only thing that we can liken this to is that they must be drunk. And then you compare that injunction with what Paul wrote in Ephesians 5.18 when he said, don't be drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Recognizing that one is a false and destructive method of attempting to realize life as its fullness, or attempting to escape life, and the other is the true and effective method from the creator of all of us saying that I want to infuse you with my spirit that will bring you life and energy. I wonder how often it has been accused of us who are believers in Jesus Christ, and especially those of us who are baptized in the Holy Spirit, how often we have been accused of being drunk because of the way we act with such boldness in our Christian life. How seldom, perhaps, it is that men have thought that we were even enthusiastic about our relationship with God. Sometimes we lack the ability to demonstrate physically and outwardly everything that Jesus Christ has done on the inside. And I believe that there is an act of the Spirit wanting to touch each of us that would bring us to a level of overwhelming conviction that wherever we go and whatever conversations we enter into, those that you are speaking with and observing you will recognize the Spirit of the living God within you and at work in you. Morgan goes on to say the church's responsibility is that her members be so spirit-filled that the Spirit may produce a new phenomena required that will absolutely startle this age. The church has been far more anxious about our wealth, our theologies, and our organizations than we are about what the Spirit wants to accomplish And what is the use of preaching if we don't have anything to say that will amaze the world about Jesus? How many of you today believe that God has designed a life for you that is more amazing than what you are living right now? Most of you. How many of you believe that amazing people are hard to ignore? A few less hands. Some of you are going, uh, before I raise my hand again, I need to know where you're going with this. I need you to know this. Regardless of what your personality traits may be like, when they are ignited by the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it doesn't matter whether you are quiet or whether you are outgoing, God will use you in amazing ways in your sphere of influence. In fact, I believe that we as a church are asking the Spirit of the Lord to fall upon us in such a way that we are so compelling in the way that we love one another, in the way that we interact with one another, that it will cause attention to those that are without Jesus Christ. Everyone that is within this room and those of you that are watching online and those of you that are listening online has been created by God specifically To live an influential life, a life of incredible purpose, a life of passion, and a life of power. But we can't live that way on our own, and we can't produce it on our own. We need the power and the partnership of the Holy Spirit. Now, last week we began to talk about this, and we understand that the fullness of our life... And how full we live and how influential we are is completely dependent upon how full are you of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, we encounter some amazing people and some amazing circumstances. And we begin to discover some characteristics that I think are important for us as we move forward in this. And I'm just going to be able to mention one or two of them today, and then we'll continue on when we get another chance. Number one, amazing people are people with an experience. What made the disciples so compelling to the crowds that were going about their business that when the power of the Spirit fell upon them, that they stopped what they were doing? They stopped their normal day and listened to what was happening and watched what was going on. It tells us in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire separated and come to rest on each of them, and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. It was the experience that they had with the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. The men and women went into that upper room one way, came in contact with the power of the Spirit, and they came out a different way. Now, here's what my prayer is for our church. I don't know what your expectations were when you came to church today. Some of you are looking at your watch going, I hope he's fast today because I got other things I want to do. But here is the level of anticipation that the Scripture brings to us. We should know that when we enter into this place, it's a time when the Spirit of the Lord can begin to equip us, to empower us, to touch us, to heal us, to fill us with whatever He needs, so that when we walk out those doors, we look and act different than we did when we came in because of the experience of encountering the Holy Spirit. Robert Heidler writes... A relationship between two people involves mutual interaction. They communicate with each other. They experience each other. I have a wonderful relationship with my wife, Cynthia. We talk to each other. For those of you that may be experiencing some marital problems, you might want to start with that one. Just talk to each other. We enjoy being together. I love listening to her heart, and she likes listening to mine. We enjoy our times together. We hold hands. We embrace. I kiss her as often as is possible because we love that relationship that we have with each other. But a relationship is a two-way interaction. Some of you today were singing about the relationship that you desire to have with the Holy Spirit, and He's been willing, and He's been waiting on you to engage in this relationship. It's one thing for us to know a little bit about God. It's another thing to know Him in relationship as we experiencing as we experience Him through the power of the Holy Spirit. To experience the Person of the Holy Spirit and the abilities that He brings into our life is vital for at least two reasons. But I want to mention these this morning. Number one, He gives us confidence. How many of you have ever felt inferior in your spiritual life because you did not feel you had the confidence to engage in conversation with somebody? There are hands all over this room. It has been accurately noted that a person with an experience is never at the mercy of a person with an argument. A number of years ago, a great evangelist by the name of H.A. Ironside was preaching on the street of a well-known city And as he was doing so, there was a very active and well-known professor from the university that was there that was an atheist that began to stand in front of him and heckle him. And the larger the crowd that Ironside drew, the angrier this atheistic professor became, and he began to scream, yelling at everybody there, there is no God, Jesus is a myth. And while he is saying this to everybody, Ironside continued to preach. And the more he preached, the more belligerent and taunting the professor became. Finally, the professor yelled at Ironside and the crowd that was gathered around to listen to him, and he said, I challenge you to a debate. Are you afraid to debate me? Ironside knew that a debate wouldn't prove much, but he was at a place where he recognized if I don't respond to this attack, things will get out of hand. And so he stopped where he was, and he looked at the professor, and he said this, Sir, I accept your challenge of a debate on one condition. When you come to debate me, I ask that you bring with you ten men and women whose lives have been set free by by the message of atheism. I want you to bring with you some people who used to be alcoholics, drug addicts, former prostitutes, criminals, and outcasts, and let them testify of how atheism lifted them out of the pit. And, sir, Ironside said, if you can find ten such men and women, I will be happy to debate you, Because when I show up, I will gladly bring 200 men and women from this very city whose lives have been transformed in just the way the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ describes it. So, Mr. Professor, when and where would you like to bring the people to debate me? And the professor turned around and walked away quietly. You see, a person with an experience... Is never at the mercy of a person with an argument not only does the Holy Spirit give us confidence but our experience with the Holy Spirit will help us build our ability to communicate we communicate most effectively what we know experientially in Luke chapter 6 verse 45 from the New King James version the verse says this a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The more that your heart and the more that my heart are filled with the life and power of the Holy Spirit, the less we have to worry about what will come out of our mouth because we will be filled with what God desires to put into us. And so the Spirit-filled disciples model one of the first keys to being an amazing person with an amazing testimony. It's the characteristic of, of having an experience with the power and the presence and the person of the Holy Spirit. The second point are that these disciples were people with an explanation. The Apostle Peter wanted the curious and the confused crowd to understand what they were seeing and hearing. Here's what I love about the context of this. We recognize that whatever was going on in the normal day and lives of all of these people that were around the city of Jerusalem, and they were a multi bunch from many different countries, many different experiences, they were all there, but the power of God interrupted their lives and made all of them Stop. And wonder what was happening. Every one of them in their normal day just stopped to see what God was up to. I want you to know something about our God. When He moves, it causes attention. He is going to interrupt lives. There are some of you today that He may very well be interrupting your life today so that He can infuse you with His presence and infuse you with His power. But the community stops. I'm hoping Solve stops three weeks from today when we walk into a park infused with the power of the Holy Spirit, knowing prophetically who we need to speak to and how to pray for them because we are going to interrupt their lives with the presence and power of our mighty God. And we're believing that God will touch lives that day. But in this community, everything stopped. And there were different reactions. In verse 12, it said there were some that were amazed and perplexed. And they asked one another, how many of you know that people who are spiritually curious may ask other people who don't know spiritually what's going on, what's happening. Can you imagine this? All of this is going on, and they're asking each other, what in the world is that? Can you explain this to me? And they're going, "I I don't know, I don't know. You're asking the wrong person. I wasn't in the upper room. I'm just watching all of this as you are. Listen, we live in a dark day, but we also live in a very spiritually curious day. If that wasn't so, we wouldn't see so many movies about superheroes. People are interested in what it's like to live an empowered life. And so we are birthed into this generation for just such a time because people are interested in the things of the Spirit. They just don't have the right answers, and they don't know who to ask. Entry you to begin to explain to them what's happening. So in verse 12, it says, they were amazed and perplexed. They asked one another, what does this mean? There were other people, however, that made fun of them and said they've had too much wine. And Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice to address the crowd. And he said, fellow Jews, and all of you who live in Jerusalem, in other words, this city has just come to a standstill. Let me explain this to you. So the crowd was bewildered and amazed. Some ask honest, sincere questions, some ridicule and mock. Does that not sound exactly the way people respond today when the Spirit of the Lord moves? There are some that are bewildered and amazed, there are others that sincerely are interested, and there are others that instantly just begin to mock and make fun of and ridicule because they don't know how else to respond. And in the middle of this, here's what I want you to understand. Watch Peter's reaction. Observe him. Because Peter was not defensive. He didn't get up there and threaten all of those who said, You're drunk. He simply stood up, and he began under the power of the Spirit of God to begin to speak. And by the enabling of the Holy Spirit, Peter gave them a biblically-based explanation for the amazing praises and the prayers that they were hearing in their native languages. Next week, I'm going to get into a little bit more about why did God choose tongues, and we're going to look at this biblically. But let me just explain this to you. I'm a missionary's kid. My mom and dad spent years in East Africa, and one of the first experiences that my mother had when she was in Kenya was being in a service where everybody speaks Swahili, but a woman stood up to give a message in tongues and spoke English. And she said the message that that woman spoke was to give glory to God. My mother understood it because that was her language. And she said, I felt like I was living in Acts chapter 2. And so we know that there are ways the Holy Spirit moves and works that brings about a way for Him to be honored and glorified in all of this. And so we live in a day where the Spirit of the Lord will cause confusion, but we who know Him are to be able to give an explanation and an answer to all of this. Many times, many times we have allowed ourselves, even in the church, to be more dignified than Spirit-filled people should be. And we mask our sarcasm, sarcasm with intellectualism. And we approach it from that way. A few years ago, there was a man by the name of Matt Herman who was the Chi Alpha director at Cornell University. When he was there, he was dealing with a a very intellectual group of students. And at the end of his term there, I had a conversation with him, and I said, Matt, if there was anything, as you look back over your term here and before somebody else comes in, that you could do differently, what would it be? And here's what he told me. He said, if I had it to do all over again... I would have the students spending way more time at the altar letting them encounter the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit than trying to win them intellectually. He said they needed an experience more than they needed the knowledge. They needed to touch the power and presence of God. And so there are moments and times, even in our services, where I can see it on your faces, that when the Spirit of God begins to move and there's a manifestation of the Spirit, and again, before this is over, I'm going to teach on that, where we get that biblically, what the difference is of those things. But there are moments when I I look at guest faces and they're like, what? Because it seems so weird. But the Spirit of the Lord works in such a way that He wants to call attention to Himself so that you know He's at work. As we look at this, we recognize that there was a purpose in the Spirit-filled life. Acts 1-8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. There's twofold thing here that I want you to notice. Number one, you will be, in other words, He's going to change who you are. The Spirit of the Lord changes who you are. When we're Talked about being brand new creations. We, we understand that when I come to Christ, He takes what I was and He washes it away, makes me something brand new. When that is infused with the power of the Holy Spirit, all of the fear that you have and all of the self-concern that you have about what I should do and how I should say, He begins to wash away and infuse you with a power and a boldness that comes from knowing Him. And then He said, not only will it change who you are, I'm going to teach you what to do. And they become witnesses everywhere they go. Folks... We have a great message because we've got a great Savior. And if I wouldn't be ashamed to talk to you about a detergent that I found that I think that might work, why in the world should I talk, not be afraid to talk to you about the one who washed my soul clean and can change you forever? But oftentimes we find that we have this inferiority complex, and the Holy Spirit comes to bring you confidence Worship team, if you please prepare your way to come. Sometimes the confidence that the Holy Spirit will bring you will show up in this way. How many of you have been in a situation where you just feel you don't have the confidence to defeat the enemy in your life? You've just, you have felt like you have gone from losing a battle to losing a battle to losing a battle. Do you know that when the Spirit of the Lord comes upon us, what He does is He infuses you with confidence? that I will stand as a victor through Jesus Christ my Lord and the power of His Holy Spirit. Sometimes that confidence comes in the way that you can begin to discern what the Lord is giving you as a direction. Some of you have struggled. I don't know what to do, and I don't know what God is trying to tell me. The Holy Spirit will infuse you with the ability to more clearly hear His voice and to know the direction that you need to go. And He will lead you in victory, and you will hear Him speak to you, and you will know how to respond to Him. He will also help you build confidence in your prayer life. Hebrews four sixteen says, Let us then approach the throne of God with confidence. Some of you have been afraid to even pray because you don't think that God would ever listen to you. Do you know that the Holy Spirit gives you the confidence to stand before God and say, I am coming because you are my heavenly Father and I am your child and you've given me the right and responsibility and the boldness to come in and ask of you what I desire, and what I need. Because without this confidence, your spiritual life will constantly be lived in a defensive posture. You will be so worried about being defeated all of the time because you lack the confidence that the Spirit gives you. I want you to understand, the Lord tells us That we can live a life so full of the power and presence of the Lord that the gates of hell will have to stand in defense of the church as we begin to march forward, taking over the ground that had been ripped off from us. And so we don't have to live in a defensive posture anymore, but we can begin to attack as God leads and guides. Some of you need confidence because the Lord wants you to start something brand new. He wants to lead you in a new direction and you are so worried and fearful that I can't do that. Well, you're right. God will always lead you to things that only He can do through you. But He will give you that confidence. And a spirit-breathed confidence will allow you to live out of your imaginations and spiritual dreams rather than your memories. Some of you have lived in the past too long. It's time to lift up your eyes. Listening to the voice of God because he's got dreams and imaginations that only he can put within your heart And he wants to lead you there with great confidence The Holy Spirit is our revitalizer And if we're going to walk in partnership with him him, It's going to be an exciting ride Because he's an amazing God that desires to give you amazing influence Would you stand with me as we sing this morning? I'm going to ask if you would take your communion cups that you got when you came in this morning God through his Holy Spirit wants to enable you to accomplish his mission on earth through you he believes that your life should not be barren or unfruitful I believe that this generation is hungry for experiences. Alton Garrison, our former General Assistant Superintendent, said of all the myths that people believe, the fantastic story of Christianity is absolutely true. A great king came to rescue his people. A great conflict threatens us all, but the king is the ultimate hero who sacrifices himself for us. Thankfully our story is not a myth. It's completely and absolutely and wonderfully true and I believe that this generation is ripe for a transformative experience by encountering the baptism of the Holy Spirit and we should see ourselves as privileged to live in the world right now because as followers of Jesus Christ we can experience his presence and his real power we can be spirit empowered people first Corinthians chapter 11 Paul was writing and he said for I received from the Lord that which also I passed on to you the Lord Jesus on the night that he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and he said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. And so a man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of that cup. I'm going to ask that you would close your eyes with me for a moment. Maybe you're here today and you have never personally asked Jesus Christ to come into your life. It is an invitation that only you can give. But when He comes, He comes as a giver. He gives you forgiveness. He gives you grace. He makes you brand new. He comes to give you life and that more abundantly. He is knocking at the door of your heart. And before we enter into communion this morning, I just want to take a moment to pray with you. And so if you're here this morning and you've not invited Jesus into your heart, would you just listen to me and agree with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, I ask you today that you would forgive me of my sins. I recognize Jesus paid a price that I could never pay. I was guilty and he was innocent, but he took my place and paid the penalty of my sin, which was death, so that he might give me life, which was his. And today I acknowledge his sacrifice, and I ask that you would just wash me clean. Prepare me, Lord Jesus, so that as I partake in this communion, I can do so as one who understands the joy of my salvation. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.